0: Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, chaps and chapettes. Hope you're all doing very well, and thank you for joining me again on another episode of the Guitar Geeks podcast. If you're watching it for the first time, welcome. My name is Josh, and if you're a returning guest, thank you for tuning in once again. If you're listening to this on Spotify, make sure you check out the video one on YouTube, and if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you check it out on Spotify. So. My guest today is somebody I've known for nearly 10 years now throughout the tribute scene and is one hell of a guitarist bringing out banging, jumping riffs and absolutely one hell of a handsome devil. Ad Lucas, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, good to see you.
0: Likewise, my friend. Likewise. Fresh from a lovely walk out in
1: the countryside, I believe. Yeah, man. One of the many lockdown walks.
0: I know. I think that's how we're all sort of surviving at the moment, going for walks and riffing. So for those of you who are not aware, who are you and what are you doing?
1: So right now I'm not doing that much apart from practicing guitar a lot and uh, hoping for a gig back soon. But yeah, I, I, uh, I play in a couple of bands at the moment, tribute bands to Marilyn Manson and Korn one of them being corn again the other one being spooky kids and i also fill in for a lot of bands on the tribute scene as well such as our bros in stiff biscuit and our bros in hybrid theory uh linkin park and the biscuit tributes so
0: the so tribute scene is where we kind of met all them years ago seems like a fucking lifetime away now <laughs> I've got uh yeah, um, just... I've got Paul on tomorrow from uh Stiff Biscuit. I mean I don't think he's doing Stiff Biscuit now, but Great. uh yeah, Paul's okay. on tomorrow, so I'm looking forward to that one.
1: Oh badass, I'll tune into that.
0: Yeah, man, it's gonna be good. So <laughs> we'll kind of start how I start every interview. So how did music and guitar become a big part of your life when you were growing up? What was that moment where you went, I wanna, I wanna do that? <laughs>
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I suppose it all started when I was a kid and, you know, my dad had a great collection of music. Um, he'd be playing us ACDC, Frank Zappa, you know, all, all sorts of stuff that wasn't on the radio at the time. So that kind of woke me up to all, you know, guitar music. And once I started, you know, uh, going to school and realizing I wasn't very good at football and stuff like that, I was thinking, how am I, you know, what's my thing? How am I going to stand out? So, uh, yeah, I remember seeing Papa Roach on Kerrang! And the bassist spun his bass around. And I was like, man, that's what I want to do. So
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it all started there. Um, just said to my dad, can I have a bass? And he was like, what do you want to do learn guitar first. Guitarists <laughs> can play bass once they learn. So, you know. Uh, that old chestnut, so yeah, it got me a guitar, and uh, started learning all the new metal, Papa Roach, Slipknot, all of that.
0: So the new metal scene was kind of like one of the big influences?
1: Oh, big time, man. Like As soon as uh, Kerrang! TV came out, man, I was just like, what is this? And I remember watching it in the mornings, you know, before, before getting on the school bus, scores, all of that, you know. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it those guys look cool what I want to do is get a guitar and get a load of tattoos <laughs>
0: you've you ticked off both of the boxes now <laughs> look at me now <laughs> so if I recall rightly one of the big influences for you was Wes Borland am I right oh,
1: sorry. yeah yeah definitely man yeah it was that it was uh, one of those bands where they mixed all that you know the heavy riffs low tuned clean delayed guitar and as soon as I heard that I was like man that's different you know um, I had to find out what he was doing get all the pedals and you know figure it all out
0: you're definitely like me then you're one of the, uh, the gear nerds and the gear horses we like to be called
1: oh big time man big time I used to I remember like early on Googling or you know, trying to find out what they were using to make those sounds, you know, or look at I've got a you know, stacks and stacks of guitar world magazine, guitar player, all of that. And I used to flick through and just try and spot what gear they were using in the pictures, you know, like <laughs> live live shots. I'll be like, what is that on his board? You know.
0: <laughs> at least I'm not the only one that does that. I am that guy at shows and yeah. right. My- what you play, what you got there? What what are you using? What a Little
1: <laughs> blue pedal, you know. Yeah, go yeah. on the bus website and try and find what the blue one is. You know, get that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, kind of when you started growing up, can you remember what that first guitar and that first amp was? You know, can, was it like one of the Encore Strats? Or
1: it, you know what, man? It was an Encore Strat. i yeah. have <laughs> still got it.
0: to say that. i
1: have still got it, man. It's an Encore Strat. And I got I got it on a Wednesday, which is also when Kerrang magazine came out. Mm. And Kerrang magazine had released this like um, sticker pack that had stickers of like, you know, you know, all them bands Slipknot and mushroom Mushroomhead and whatever else. And the guitar is just covered in stickers, you know, of all them new metal bands. <laughs> you know, I still got it. It's a, it's in my loft. It's probably yeah. Uh, disgusting now but yeah
0: it's still up there I've I really like I've never owned a proper strat I mean like I had a Richie Sambora one for a while but I've never gone down the proper single coil strat route thing is I I could not imagine you you playing a strat my first was <laughs> this shitty little like Argus 50 quid bundle pack, like the guitar nice. must have cost like 10 quid to build in some factory in China. It was horrendous. Yeah. And that I remember <laughs> the amp, I think the amp is I, I either chucked it or it's in my loft, I can't remember, but it's like this little fucking four-inch thing, and all it had was like a gain knob and a yeah, volume. Yeah. It was just yeah. horrendous. Yeah. And,
1: Mine was very oh. similar. It was like the Encore starter pack with it had this little amp custom with a K. Yeah. This little custom <laughs> amp, you know, with a distortion button that you press and it just went really tinny and shrill, you know. <laughs> I, I think the Cam moment that changed my life was like the uh, the first effects pedal, you know, the first multi-effects I got. I remember getting a, um, it was a Zoom GFX 707.
0: Uh, you went down the Zoom route. I had uh, some one of the Digitech ones.
1: <laughs> you pimp. Was that what was that one? Was uh, that like a little blue and silver one?
0: No, it was I think it was an RP90. It had like two buttons and like this really flimsy like expression pedal and it was just nice. awful. <laughs>
1: yeah but once you play through one of them for the first time you think you're a rock star
0: <laughs> yeah I, I did i was like oh my god like the tone i have at my feet and i look back and i'm just saying, oh god what was i doing
1: oh man yeah <laughs> I, I remember there was this uh there was a setting on the uh zoom gfx called jet and it was like this heavily distorted with flanger and i was there just playing like tear away by drowning pool like, oh my god it sounds just like it, you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. There's always like there's, there's two kinds of people. You either had uh, a rolling cube or a line six spider, and you oh, also yeah. had either a Zoom or a Digitech. You, was, you would either yeah, have yeah, one yeah. of those. <laughs> I, I never
1: got the spider. Uh, I think um, after the custom amp, I ended up getting one of them. You know, the mar- I think it was called a Marshall some sort of like MD is it like Marshall MD oh, effects M- or something
0: M- MFD or MDF or yeah. whatever it's called I know MDF yeah. type of <laughs> yeah. I know the one like John that. about like the solid state like mini like head things yeah
1: yeah yeah it was just like this multi effects 2x12 combo you know and uh, got one of those bad boys and then I, I upgraded to a boss GT I think it was a GT6 which was like a multi-effects pedal that was like this big, you know. Yeah. And uh, at, at that point, I thought I'd made it, you know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> before, I, all before the world of I'm tone. Just, yeah, yeah, I was <laughs> like, that's it. Uh, now this is all I need. I'm set. This is what the real guys use.
0: <laughs> so you've kind of been a part of a lot of bands. I've seen you, obviously, with Death Blooms as kind of like one of the ones that really started to gain... Um, headstein heads but you was also i don't think you know i know this but uh, was it multi chemi- uh, multi purpose chemical multi purpose
1: chemical yeah man yeah
0: cuz that was <laughs> go- i'm assuming that was going back a while and that's kind of one of your big first bands that started to relatively make quite good progress
1: that's correct yeah that was my uh, I, I remember when I, I first saw them they were on tour with a band called will haven and they were supporting i was about I think I was like 19 when I went to see them. And um, funnily enough, uh, do you remember Giz, who played bass in Death Blooms? Yeah. He was, um, he was guitar for MPC at the time, filling in. And I remember watching him and I was like, man, these guys are so cool. It's, it's all what I'm about, you know, big riffs, new metal influence, a bit system, a bit rage, yeah. I mean, you know, that kind of thing. After going to see them, I had to check out their MySpace at the time. and On the MySpace, it said, guitarist wanted. And I was like, holy shit, uh, I've got to message these guys, you know. So dropped them a message. They got back to me, and they're like, our final audition is tomorrow, which was a Sunday. And I was meant to be in work at the time. So I just called in sick, <laughs> went down there, and i like... I pretend they were like, How old are you? I was like 21, I was 19. (laughs) And the night before, I thought, Right, they've given me two songs to learn. I learned the whole album. I was like, Right, I'm going to learn the whole album front to back, just get in there and absolutely ace it. And apparently, I was the last guy to audition. Went in there, they were like, What do you know? And I was like, I know more, man. So, played all the songs with them. We all got on really well and off I went and then I got a message the next day saying, do you want to play a gig with us in a week's time? And I was like, fuck yeah. (laughs) I was like 19 and I thought, oh my God, these guys have a video on VH1 and MTV2, I made it.
0: (laughs) I'm now officially a rock star.
1: That's it, man. That's what I thought. And I think I think around then was the time of the recession and then no one was going to gigs. And uh, <laughs> and it was back to square one. But I had a great time in that band. We're all still mates now. And...
0: That was sort of where I guess you started to really catch that bug of playing gigs and being in that, yeah. that band situation. Because to be fair, yeah, like when you bad. look at the the things that you've done like there's a lot of people out there that have not done anywhere near as much as sort of what you've done uh you know obviously playing download festival was a big one for you guys you played with insane clown posse pod (laughs) you know there's some big names there
1: yeah yeah Uh, i think after um after Multipurpose chemical uh because that was the band that i joined when i was thinking oh my god you know this is it when it didn't quite work out, that was it. It was my mission. then I thought right, I've got to start a band, do it myself, find the right group of guys. And in between MPC and Death Blooms, there were a couple of other bands that you know almost got there, but it just wasn't the right bunch of guys, wasn't the right time or whatever, you know. But once I got Death Blooms together, you know it, it, it seemed to work. It was right place right time and they're still thriving now, you know. Oh,
0: the the new single, Fuck Everything, is just brilliant, absolutely brilliant Yeah oh, we, ever, we lost you ever so slightly then
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm a back yeah, 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 you're back They've just released a, a single called Gore, check that one out Yeah, man.
0: I had that on this morning, I was like, oh, this is proper dirty <laughs> metal It's uh, naughty, isn't it, man? How come you wanted to sort of move on from Death Blooms with all the success that's going on with them then?
1: It it was one of those things like, uh, you know, I've I've been in that band for a while and we just kind of started moving, you know, moving in different directions. And, you know, after a while, it's hard to be in a band with the same people for a very long time and still get along. And, you know, it, it got to that point where there was tensions, disagreements and stuff like that. And it just was better to part ways and you know move on with our own things. Uh, I'm really enjoying doing the tributes.
0: Oh, we've lost him again.
1: <laughs> stuff because I was in February and uh, you know we, we we recorded a great album uh, and I'm wishing them luck. It, it was my send off, you know.
0: Yeah, when anger came out, I was just like, ah, oh, that that's probably the anger and crosses are probably the two best ones in my
1: (laughs) opinion oh just just you wave man there's a lot more to come (laughs) the
0: the riffs are just uh insane um because you obviously you showed me how to play anger and i was just like man it's so simple (laughs) but it just works so bloody brilliantly and you can really see like the system of a down the um influences from corn and Limp Bizkit they're the very heavily influenced in your writing style I would
1: say yeah yeah big time that that's exactly what I wanted to get across man like I, I love the simplicity of the new metal genre you know it's uh, the the structures of the songs you know it's very verse chorus verse chorus breakdown that kind of thing simple riffs you know I've never been into you know i appreciate technical playing and uh all the shreddy stuff but i've never been into it it's just i've, I've always been about the riff
0: being, yeah uh, the you've always been like as, as much as i've known you, you've always been a very tight rhythm orientated sort of player
1: yeah yeah that's it man just like thrive off that stuff it's good fun to play isn't it as you yeah. know because you do the same
0: <laughs> definitely man Um, So if I recall rightly, I may be wrong in this, but you met West Borland, didn't you, at a a guitar (laughs) store?
1: Oh man, so it, it was my 25th birthday, funnily enough, and it was on the Blacklight Burns tour. So they played Manchester, I think, two nights before my birthday, and I'd never seen anything like it. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen. And uh, like anyone that hasn't seen Blacklight Burns, if they ever tour again, go see him. It's insane, man. So I saw that they were playing a few days later on my birthday in London. So I was like, man, I'm going down to London for my birthday. Let's do this. And on the way down there, he posted on his Instagram that he's doing a, uh, a Jackson Guitars meet and greet signing kind of thing. So... I went down to the Camden Underworld, which is where they were doing the gig and the signing. Queue door, but I, I was like one of the last in the queue. And once I'm, I'm getting over there to the table where he's like meet and greet signing stuff, Wes goes, "Can anyone play Master of Puppets by Metallica?" And I was like, "Me, I can." <laughs> so uh, I he was like, "Okay, come over." So he passed me a guitar, one of his Jacksons, and. So he was like, go on, play. So I started, you know, uh, yeah. Or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm there just like, <laughs> and he goes, awesome, man. Keep the guitar. And I was like, what the fuck?
0: <laughs> no way.
1: That Absolutely. Was... I was just like, what? <laughs>
0: Childhood ad just completely just lost it.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: but that would be like like Richard C coming to me going, Can anybody play I not know Sonnet? And I was like, Yep, yeah, there we go and
1: <laughs> like, I was... the guitar wasn't even plugged in. I was just there like I probably wasn't even playing Master of Puppets. (laughs) (laughs) How did
0: it kind of feel meeting somebody that was a massive, obviously an inspiration for you? Because obviously a lot of people always say, i never meet your heroes, but Mm. I think both of us had quite good times with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. He he was an absolute legend. I mean, I always feel awkward meeting my heroes because in the back of my mind, I'm always just like, oh my God. You know, you're kind of like, idolize these guys while you're a kid and then you actually meet them and your head goes completely blank all the questions you know i was like i'm gonna totally ask him what's on his pedal board and it just goes out the window doesn't it but yeah you know he he was a very cool humble guy funny dude you know great to meet
0: was there anything specific about his writing style that? drew you to him like because I think Bizkit got obviously a lot of their recognition when they did uh WrestleMania, WrestleMania 17. You know, oh was, yeah was was that like an inspiration or was it something else that drew you to him?
1: It's funny, you know what? It was wrestling. So um once I started getting into metal music was when you know they all had the theme tunes, didn't they? I think it was there was, drowning, uh, was, the there was a lot of Drowning,
0: Paul. There was, you know, obviously yeah, yeah, had the Olympic skit yeah. one. There was so much of that new yeah. metal, heavy metal scene in at that time in Man. the wrestling
1: scene. That's it. Like, I think the the first album that I bought was, like, a compilation. You know, I think it was WWF All-Star Anthology. Or something. <laughs> something like that. Yeah. yeah.
0: I had that. <laughs> so I like,
1: got, like... Yeah, just like a big wrestling theme tune thing. And then I'd look and find out, oh, this is an actual band, you know, Limp Biscuit Rolling, look for Limp Biscuit by their album. And yeah, so it was through wrestling, funnily enough.
0: I think that's probably where they got majority of their fan base was through the wrestling. I mean, that yeah. was when. I had first really properly heard any heavy metal was when I come across uh, when they did Crack Addict at WrestleMania 19. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. That yeah. was the
0: first time I was like, "Damn, what's this?"
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it was funny. That was when um, that was when Head was on guitar from Corn. Like it was yeah. Head, and then Mike Smith from Snot, who later replaced Wes Ball, wasn't it? Yeah. There's uh,
0: not many, I've, you're only the second person I've ever known to mention Snot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no like, way. yeah, uh, uh, my best mate, Alex, he, uh, he, to be honest, I hadn't heard of them to him about a year ago. And then yeah. obviously he introduced me to them and you're the only other person I've ever heard bring up their name because they were <laughs> like kind of one of the real big founding fathers of the new metal scene from what I could gather.
1: Oh yeah, big time! Like uh, all, all the new metal bands toured with them. You know they they were there from the start, weren't they? Mm. I think I'm sure I went to see. I saw Snot supporting someone. You know, only a few years ago at the uh, Manchester Apollo, I can't remember. Maybe it was Corn. I think it was like things. the Corn. You know, the anniversary tour of the first album that Corn did. I'm yeah. sure. Snot was supporting them as
0: well. And yeah, their, sing- their singer, pa- was it the singer that passed away? I can't remember. I yeah, yeah. The singer, wasn't it? Quite
1: early on, like quite yeah. early on in
0: the career. Because I yeah. think they nearly did the one album in the end. And you can see a lot of the um, influences, like Corey Taylor, is definitely pulled yeah. from Snot. It's very evident when you listen to it. Yeah. So we'll talk tribute bands because it's very hard for us because I think we've both kind of cut our teeth through. The tribute band scene and so. there is one particular moment that i think you probably know what i'm going to bring up here was sure. playing in manchester with ray Luzier and fieldy
1: oh yeah geez
0: <laughs> so enlighten us
1: <laughs> okay so um we played on the saturday yeah so we played lounge. on saturday at the ruby lounge in manchester which is no longer there anymore by no. the way i think they've turned into a block of flats now we played something. one of the
0: last gigs there
1: oh, matt it was such a good venue
0: i liked it apart from yeah. loading in and loading out that oh was yeah. nightmare <laughs> yeah
1: there's not many venues that, <laughs> that was bad <laughs> mm. <laughs> a, a, a scary lift at the back, yes, and, and all that, you know. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> dodgy loading in at the bins and everything. So, <clears throat> we were playing the Ruby Lounge anyway, and Corn were playing with Limp Biscuit on the Monday at the Manchester MEM. So, me being me, I thought, let's just tweet Ray Luzia and you know anyone else from Corn? And you know spam them the uh, the gig poster that we're playing on Saturday night. You know a few days before their gig. Let's do it on Twitter. Let's do it on Instagram. You know really flood it. You know so did that earlier on in the day. Thought nothing of it. And we're all in the van on the way to the gig. You know getting excited about it all. And it pops up on Instagram that. Oh, Ray Luzia has liked the gig poster and you know we were overjoyed just from that we were like, oh my god you know some recognition from a member of Corn. this is awesome so that's it we're all buzzing and thought nothing else of it and we're literally on stage about to I, I'm filling in for Stiff Biscuit at this gig as well so uh, I'm on stage with like my Wes Ball and makeup on and shit like that and We're literally just about to go on and the promoter runs over and he's like, guys, come to the bar quick, Corn and Limp Biscuit want to meet you. And we were like, what? So so we jump off stage quickly. We're like, is he taking the piss? Like, Is he winding us up or something? So we jump off, go over to the bar and it's, who was there? It was the DJ of Limp Biscuit, the bassist of Limp Biscuit, their road crew. And then Fieldy and Ray Luzier from Corn and their road crew as well, and we were just like, "Shit, man, (laughs) 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 the pressure's on." Now, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, just said said hello to them, jumped on stage, played the uh, played the set with Stiff Biscuit, and the DJ of Limb Biscuit actually was gonna jump up and do some backing vocals for break stuff but my mic broke, so. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, Stiff didn't get any of the glory. And uh, we got on afterwards, you know, corn again, and while we were playing, we could see Fieldie and Ray stood at the back video in the gig, holding the phones up, laughing, smiling, whatever. And then they just pop up halfway through the gig, jump over the barrier and uh, like can we play a couple of songs with you guys so (laughs) okay so yeah I got to start here to stay with Ray you know just count me in Ray (laughs) he's one of my favorite drummers as well man so I I almost fainted on the spot but yeah it was great played here to stay freak on a leash with Ray Fieldy
0: it's not many people can say they've done that
1: It's stupid. Like, I I can't believe we got to do it. And luckily, on the night, like, Corn had the, I think, what's his name, Sebastian, the guy that films all the live content and stuff like that. They managed to film it, put a video out, and that kind of. Kicked corn again onto another level Oh you know,
0: yeah we... I remember just seeing corn again after that point and they just Went straight into it just an absolute Different league because they played Grass Pop yeah. and was it Grass Pop yeah. I think it was and
1: yeah, obviously we did grass Went park. to
0: America and it just, it just absolutely went to another Level
1: yeah it was nuts Like literally as soon as corn posted That video we were getting Messages on Facebook from all over the world Saying will you come and play here and the answer was always, yes, we thought, why not? <laughs> let's go. go ahead.
0: It's amazing that, you know, it just takes that one stupid little thing, going, oh, let's just tweet, see what happens. And
1: that, oh, man, that can yeah.
0: absolutely take it to another level.
1: Big time, just be cheeky and just <laughs> take those <laughs> chances. That's the way to do it. So if, you could,
0: uh, if you could do that again or do a download festival with Death Blooms, mm-hmm. again, which one would you rather do?
1: Oh, that is a tough one. Uh, Both of those were a dream come true. (laughs) That's the hardest question I've ever been asked. Um, Which
0: which one was you more nervous for
1: as well? You know what? I was most nervous for playing with the Corn guys because, you know, you you don't want to let them down when you're playing in front of them, let alone playing with them. (laughs) I, I was most nervous for that. And when it comes to download festival, just, you know, you're playing your own songs, you know, you're with your best mates up there on stage that you practice with. So there was no nerves for download at all. It was, the only thing we were nervous about was people not turning up. So, you know, the the night, the day before, we spent the whole Friday at download just flyering, you know, we, we passed out thousands of flyers and, we were playing at midday on the Saturday. You know, usually everyone's hung over in the tents, but luckily through the flyer, in, you couldn't get in the tent. It backed out. We we walked out and we were like, you know, sea of people. It was, you know, it was so good. So that was lucky. the
0: year was it, with Tool were playing on the Sunday. Was it that year?
1: Yeah, there was... Um, I, I know that on the... Yeah, Tool were playing... On our day, it was Guns and Roses and yeah. Marilyn Manson. Yeah, it was It was a good year, man.
0: Definitely. That's the year I wanted to go because that Sunday was so proggy. I, ab- I wanted to yeah. see Tusker and Black Peaks and Tall. I was like, man, that's a cracking lineup. <laughs> so we well, kind of... It's hard to obviously bring up this subject to nuts and not sort of talk about it, obviously, with Spooky Kids and obviously a yeah. lot of the... The controversy that has gone on with Marilyn Manson at the moment yeah so has that in a way going to have affected the way that obviously Spooky Kids has been approached or will approach to doing material because obviously it can be then be a very sore subject
1: yeah it, it's very it, it's a very touchy subject at the moment when it comes to Spooky Kids you know we're, we're a tribute to the artist and the music. And if people still want to hear the music, then we'll happily provide it. You know, we, we do have bookings coming in. We love Marilyn Manson, the artist. We love his music. And, you know, despite any allegations where, you know, we'll, we'll still play for the fans. We're fans of the music. And if there's demand, we'll play. It's one of those things it's such a strange one isn't it man like yeah it's the same it's the same when it comes to like Michael Jackson tributes you know (laughs) like (laughs) the, the allegations that have been made about Michael Jackson and the the tribute to some of the most sought-after tribute bands in the world. So I think it's
0: very different. As <laughs> like Michael Jackson was kind of, I guess, anonymous before he became his own thing, with the Jackson Five. But then, obviously, with Marilyn yeah. Manson, there is always that pre-deceived uh, prejudice because it's a metal genre, I think, and people tend to sort of think of, you know, now it's kind of, I wouldn't say tarnishing everybody in the same light, but it's almost like, Mm. look, metal is, this is what you'll become if you're a (laughs) metal singer, which obviously isn't the case
1: at all. Well, it's always been, it's always been the devil's music, hasn't it? You know, all, Mm. all of that. It's always been associated with the darker side of things. But, yeah, it's just a massive shame that, you know, that this kind of stories came out. and you, You've just got to hope that the allegations are uh, far from the truth, but who knows? Yeah. Who am I to comment on it? You know, I that's don't know. It. Only he knows, and uh, hopefully more truth will come out uh, that's a bit more positive. Absolutely. So I
0: can't help but notice that gorgeous piece of wood that you are holding between... <laughs> Your legs, and I'm not on about his member. I'm on about this the gorgeous Les Paul custom. And so, tell us more about the absolute beauty.
1: Okay, so it used to be a uh, PRS guitars addiction, didn't it? You yes, remember that? I did. <laughs> and um, after um, after leaving Death Blooms, I thought, right, I need a new vibe. I've always liked Gibson guitars. Uh, I want to get in a different headspace with my writing and stuff like that. So, just got rid of the PRS, moved on to Gibson, try and get a get some uh, inspiration from that. But I like the heavy ones. I like the old ones. Um, I don't know if you can you can see, but that it's a um, it's a 1980 Les Paul custom. So back when back when they used to have. A the big valute. volute on the back of the neck, and back when they used to be non-weight relieved as well, so it's it's super heavy. The uh you probably can't tell, but the neck's quite thin and shreddy, and they're a joy to play, and they sound massive and really hold tuning well. I absolutely love this thing.
0: It is absolutely beautiful. It's one of the nicest <laughs> Les Pauls I've seen. It's that it's natural it. sort of wear on
1: the. Yeah, yeah, it's it's quite tarnished and worn, but they they look better for it, you know, it's been loved.
0: Have you got that one set up or any specific strings or, you
1: know? You know what, I've just got it in um, drop D at the moment. That's why when I started playing Master of Puppets, it sounded very wrong. (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's in there. It's in the uh, one finger power chord, you know, Um. Yeah, just standard tens on this 10 to 46, drop D. Just you kind like of your, uh,
0: drop tunings, on, you're very uh, synonymous for that drop A, B. Thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's,
1: that's on my other guitars. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I was talking to somebody, I don't know if you'll remember him, but Phil Dyer, who plays with Oceanis. Yeah, of
1: course. Yes,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, you do know Phil. So I was chatting to him. Ironically, this is like the fourth time now his name has cropped up in this podcast. He just seems to know everyone. And um, he was saying, because I know this as well, about your, I oh, know you don't have it anymore, is the beautiful Mesa Boogie rig. That you were oh, running.
1: Man. I know it was great, wasn't it? Mm. <laughs> I, I miss it every day, but I don't miss carrying it.
0: Was that purely just because it was amps that were being used in the new metal genre, or was it just something that you really liked about it?
1: Oh man, like I'll be 100% honest. As soon as I saw those Mesa rectifiers in the 36 Crazy Fist Slip Wrist Theory video, When I was a kid, I was like, one day I'm going to get some of those. And then, you know, you see Wes and using them back in the day, POD and all that. I was like, I love the sound of that. I'm going to get one. And once I got one, I was like, yeah, this is, you know, Ramstein, of course. Yeah. You know, all those guys seem to use them. And as soon as I played through one, that was it, man. And never turned back until I started playing loads of gigs. and <laughs> having to revalve them all the time is very expensive Um, you know I, I'd have to get them fixed and stuff like that and I've just moved to Kemper now but you can't beat the real thing really
0: No, I mean I, I'll be honest I've never played through I've always wanted to play for a Mesa but yeah. like you know realistically when we're in home situations it's, it's yeah. never always uh, the easiest thing to use shall we say and then to properly gun it as well to get the most out of it. It's, oh, uh, yeah. Not so easy. Oh, the
1: amount of times you get told to turn down with them. And they sound the best when they're cranked. That's yeah. just the way this valve amps sounds. So <laughs> certain venues, like, you know, when you turn up to grass pop, you know, you, you can turn up as loud as you want, but most places you're a nuisance. So
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they sound so fizzy, quiet. So I just had to... Uh, to find an alternative tried Axe effects you'll remember when I used yeah. to use that and uh, it was too it was too tweaky for me um I tried line six which I really liked you know the um the helix. helix really liked it it was great but there was some tweaking involved and then once I tried the kemper it's plug and play like the the perfect sounds are there captured so once I plugged into that, I was like, wow! Don't have to do anything to this, you know.
0: Are you using <laughs> dual rectifiers on the camper as well? Then,
1: yeah, yeah. It's funny. I, I've tried many of the other amps, like the Freedmans that you sent me kindly. Yeah. You know, sound great, but it's what you're used to, isn't it? And yeah. Dual rectifiers always.
0: Nothing. It, it, it's got that very specific sort of like. Um... I wouldn't say it's a mid range scoop, but it's it, it just got that depth that when it hits you, it's just like getting yeah, hit by man. a train. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, it sits really nicely in a band mix as well. There's something mm. about it, like, the brilliance. Riff machines, man. Um,
0: are you still using your uh, pedal board along with the camper, or have you purely just for no. the camper now? No.
1: Yeah, just pure camper. Yeah, I got the camper stage, you know, the, just the floor version and that's it I just use that it's all I need like got all my patches set up it's so easy I I miss having you know delay pedals and you know modulation that you can actually mess around with and get creative with but especially for the tribute scene once you've got your set and the sound set for that song then you don't really want to tweak them you just Mm. want it sound the same every night and that was that was the best way of doing it the canvas just sound great
0: so with like in terms of the aspect then of writing the material would you literally just say like i'm going to pick this patch and i'm just going to jam and see what comes out or would you have this preconceived notion of, i want to get this sort of vibe so
1: hmm. i'm
0: going to go for this sort of sound how would you approach that
1: it's funny like for the death bloom stuff which is the latest stuff that i've been writing um, was all, it was just, it was a dual rectifier patch. I may have sent it to you a while ago, actually. I think you I've did. Had this, yeah, it's a dual rectifier patch, funnily enough, profiled from an Axe FX dual rectifier patch. <laughs> so it's like a profile of a profile almost, you know, mm. but it sounds great. It's a, it's a really good riffy patch. And I've been using that since the very start. I can't remember... When Death Bloom started, but from way back then, I'd just set that patch up, have the guitar in drop A, and that'd inspire the riffs, and it'd always be a riff first.
0: Yeah, and then the kind of the rest of the song came after the riff originally.
1: That's it, man. Yeah, I'd just record a riff into uh, into Logic, you know, get the drums set out, record the bass down, and then figure out what's going to go either side of the riff, (laughs) you know. Intro verse, whatever.
0: <laughs> What's the one riff that you're most proud of that you've done?
1: <sighs> Damn, that, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a uh, boring answer saying every single one of them because each
0: one,
1: <laughs> <laughs> each riff that I wrote, there was a, a hundred really shit ones. So <laughs> <laughs> it, when you look at the little Death Blooms discography on Spotify, There was a lot of shit before that happened. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know, like, um, I've probably said one that I always just jam out on in sound check is I'm Dead. Uh, I've always liked that one. Yeah, just it's quite, it's like punk new metal almost, you know, it's like very hardcore new metal. There's Uh, harmonics in
0: it, kind of make it just resonate a little bit more.
1: Yeah that's it like fun to play you know really easy to play and probably filth as well filth always pops out yeah that's a good one as well um
0: i was having a chat with somebody the day and we was we was talking about uh like kind of strengths and disadvantages and bits and pieces like that as as musicians and i think we always tend to kind of think about oh I'm I'm quite good at this I'm quite good at this but where would you say is an area that you've really struggled with being a guitarist
1: and musician? So when it comes to guitar playing um, probably the the one area that I can do is the riffs but outside of that you know I'll sound quite professional playing a chuggy riff with one finger but when it comes to anything like arpeggios or even just like picking out a chord or you know alternate picking and stuff like especially lead stuff you know anything outside the big chunky riff realm is always a bit of a learning curve for me.
0: And you cannot say that your alternate picking is crap because I seen you play battery this morning, and I know for <laughs> fact you can do it clean.
1: <laughs> well, when it comes to like riff riff picking, and <laughs> but when it I, I don't know, like kind of you know picking out a chord like alternate, I, I can down pick a Chord all the way, but if you know the up downs and
0: <laughs> <you> no.
1: <know. laughs>
0: but I guess but, for this the sort of music that you play, you're not you know you're not going to be playing a nice you know G you know keep G yeah. and C and whatever.
1: I think that that's the one little regret that I do have is growing up learning to play guitar. I learned from you know li- listening to albums from the new metal genre which, you know, there was hardly any guitar solos going on. It was all riff based and, you know, one finger power chords and and all that, you know, so that's, that's my strength. But even when it came to playing like the solo for Sweet Dreams, Marilyn Manson, um, you know, I'd have to literally sit down and learn how to make it sound like a solo rather than just playing the notes together, you know, (laughs) because, solos have so much feel in them it's not just about the technique it's also about the feel that you put into them and the right bends if you're not going to bend it quite right it's going to sound a little out of tune and uh crazy it's, it's another world to me all that style of playing and... that, that's why you <laughs>
0: tend to stick to the chug the chug life. exactly
1: man it's what i'm good
0: at
1: <laughs> 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 Maybe all the new Death Bloom stuff will be a lot more widdly now, now that I'm not there, you know.
0: <laughs> Shreddy. You never know they're gonna hear the next Death Bloom song and there's gonna be like eight string sweeps and <laughs> yeah, That's it,
1: man. They're no longer limited by my one finger abilities.
0: <laughs> um Paul came up with a lot of the riffs with you as well, didn't he? Because he kind of had a bit of a hand in the songwriting processes as well.
1: On the uh, definitely on the latest album he really brought it with the writing I mean like earlier on you know I, I'd riff and you know then we'd come up with some structures together and stuff like that but, but I think it's the, they're doing an EP rather than an album now or something but all this new stuff you know we, we really work together and he'd bring riffs in and I, I'd make them sound better <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're allowed to say that Paul <laughs> listening but sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, he really brought it with the refs. the guy can ref, man. Uh,
0: so we kind of we've spoken about like the really good gig experiences. So obviously playing with like Ray Luzier and Fieldy and Download and Grass Pop, but yeah. have you had those moments where it just would not go right for you? And those do you have any bad <laughs> moments that stick in your mind?
1: I think everything before everything before death blooms and corn again everything before that was pretty terrible (laughs) you know like turning up to a gig and playing to the bar staff you know there's been more years of that than the years of good gigs you know like literally the good gigs have probably happened in the past well, it doesn't five or six feel like years, or so Yeah, yeah, yeah. Five or six years, probably since we met. You know, when we, you know, we, because we started gigging with you guys, yeah. uh, doing the family values stuff and everything. And that's when it was like, wow, people turn up to these shows. This is amazing. What, what have I been doing all my life? No when we one? did
0: it at the Revolver.
1: Yeah, man.
0: <laughs> it's yeah, it's, it feels like such a long time ago.
1: <laughs> oh man, I'd like, I play, I play the, um, like, it used to be called Barfly in Liverpool, I think it's called Arts Club now, but I'd play there every every other week, you know, to literally no one, and for, for years and years you'd just think that was the norm, and luckily that we had some lucky breaks in the past few years with the tribute bands and, and Death Blooms to be able to play to some actual crowds.
0: Mm, absolutely um it makes it for quite an interesting topic so i'm going to be chatting to paul about this as well as well but there are some people that tend to give tribute bands kind of a bad rep because you know they're essentially it's an it's an easy way to get into let's be honest you know you can make relatively decent money as tribute bands because there's always going to be that sort of uh wants for it because not everybody you know can go to afford to pay 60 quid for Ramstein or you know for corn or what have you yeah and um, would would you say that tribute bands are necessary to the music scene what you're obviously and yeah un- relatively <laughs> unbiased because we play in tribute bands but you know an honest unfiltered approach to it
1: so honest, unfiltered approach, I mean, the, the first thing I ever did, which is what a lot of people did when they were kids starting to play music, you know, when you're when you like 13, 14, you start a band with your mates and you play cover songs of your favorite bands. And like back then, you know, we play System of a Down and all your mates, are, you know, that come to your gigs, love it because they know what it is. And then you start playing your own songs. It's like wow this killed the vibe you know mm. so it's it's a good way to win the crowd over but it's definitely relevant and you can't go out there and fake me in a tribute band that you know as you guys know with the with the Ramstein tribute yeah it's hard to do you know people are going to expect that you bring a show just like you know they go to see the real thing they expect pyros expect you to look like them sound like them you know it's it's a lot of hard work
0: i think people Um, think it's uh, like outsider perspectives tend to sort of think oh the it's how hard can it be just to play xyz song whatever but i think like i say a lot of people tend to overlook the little nuances like you know especially with um with corn again you know when Stephen would play the bagpipes for shoots and ladders. It's these yeah. little things like that that do actually make up the big story. And like you say with Pyro, or mm-hmm. you
1: know,
0: they do. There will always be that level of expectation.
1: It's it's a really big scene, and there's a reason for it. You know, you you can't go and see Ramstein every day. You know, it's mm. I, I only managed to see them. Well, it wasn't last year. It must have been a couple yeah. of years ago now. Um, I only managed to see them then. And I've been wanting to see them for years. And, you know, the, the tickets sell out so fast. Or, you know, so, some people can't afford to go spend that much, you know, to yeah. see the real thing in stadiums. I and spent a small fortune on
0: tickets for Ramstein, man. I spent a small it's fortune. Insane.
1: So worth it. But it's insane, isn't
0: it? <laughs> it is. If you've never yeah. seen, if you're listening and you've never seen them, Go and see them. Just okay. Check. Obviously, it's not so easy at the moment, but it is what it is. Because yeah. <laughs> you, were, everyone's uh, got
1: to see Ramstein live, even if you're not into metal. It's one of the best shows you'll ever see. Because your
0: first yeah. one was the one in Milton Keynes, wasn't it?
1: It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah for the for the latest album. Yeah.
0: How did you find it? Incredible. With your expectations.
1: Oh man! Like exceeded. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Like the atmosphere that was created in that stadium, you know, it's it's not just the stage that's the focal point; it's the whole thing, isn't it? Mm. Like the the whole stadium is the show that they'll, yeah. they'll be playing on it. They'll be playing on the main stage, and then they'll pop up on this little rig right at the back, and there's like flamethrowers surrounding you, smoke things. You know, <laughs> uh, I, I've never seen anything like it. I what a show.
0: I um. A t- fun trivia for you, I don't know if you know this story, but I, I've i got their personalised autograph, but I've never actually met them, which is right. quite a funny story. It was when they were playing Download in 2016, yeah. and they were doing um, a little signing while Corn were playing, and their little okay. signing tent was at the side of the, the main stage. And me and the missus, we'd actually gotten to the front of the um the stage we were front row at download which is pretty difficult to do is it
1: nice yeah yeah
0: and I was like I would really like to go to the signing but I I didn't go in the end and I was like no we've got the front row we're just we're gonna stick here yeah you've got to keep it
1: if you need to piss just piss like you are staying funny
0: story I actually needed to after having a few beers I was like I really need (laughs) fucking piss and I, lo- I was looking around and there was somebody in front of a, a, like a Pepsi, you know, a, Trillier, a Pepsi bottle and it was on the front. And I said to the security guard, pass me that bottle. So then I like, did it and threw yeah. the lid on it and I was like whoop and launched it on. behind me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> you gotta, you got to keep that front spot, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we stayed there and after we watched the show and um, I was staying at my uncle's because he works at East Midlands Airport, so he lived quite close. So we were staying at my uncle's, so we didn't have to worry about getting back to Birmingham and whatnot after. Right. Right. And um, I'd left my duck martins at his at his place because uh, right. they were caked in mud, and I he said I'll bring them down on the bike the the next day. I was like, okay, yeah, sound. And then um, he gave me it's it's framed over there uh, some autographs. He says to Josh from Ramstein, and it's all it, all oh, of them no. signed it, and. Yeah. Um, he was refueling their plane because they were playing the Pink Pop Festival the next day, no and way. He, he refueled their plane. He's an aircraft refueler, and yeah. um, when they were in like this waiting lounge, his mate was <laughs> kind of looking after them, so like teas, coffees, pastries, and breakfast, and all that. Yeah, and um, the guy said, uh, "Would you mind doing us just one set of autographs uh, for a friend of ours?" And I'm like. Uh, yeah, it's fine. And um, apparently, this is the guy's words some big stocky bloke, and it was Till, wanted yeah. in return a pack of these Fox's Glassier fruits. He's like, Can I take some of these? And the guy was like, You can take the box, take as many as you want. <laughs> Did these autographs in exchange for some Fox's Glassier fruits. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the guy has a sweet tooth. <laughs> yeah,
0: and that—that that is how I got their autographs amazing. That's brilliant. It's, it's a weird it. little story. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it. Like, you know, just by chance fueling up that plane. Like, yeah,
0: it's mad. Crazy. So, change the subject, a, a, a gig that was always interesting for me, and I did touch on it, was when you played with Insane Clown Posse. Oh yeah, yeah. Because that is not a band that would you would put together with metal, essentially.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was that it, quite a surreal man. one? <laughs> it it was. I mean, Mushroom Head was also on that tour. Yeah. So it's one of those things like um mushroom head kind of made it more relevant to us genre-wise. But you know, if if in St. said, do you want to come on tour? touring with those guys is the most fun you will have it's uh it's a crazy experience they're a great bunch of guys and getting to watch their show every night is like excellent. <laughs> not at all absolutely brilliant lots
0: of meth and lots of lsd must have been going around
1: <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going around especially like once we got to the first venue because the whole tour got cancelled, you know, the, the weekend before it was meant to, to happen, do you remember? Yeah. Like, the whole tour got cancelled because the O2 Academy didn't want them spraying cola everywhere, because that's yeah. what they do. Throughout the gig, they're spraying litres of cola over the audience, you know. So O2 cancelled them. They managed to rebook the whole tour in different venues in the space of, like, a day or it something. Was it, it was crazy. So we were like, tour's off, gutted. Oh, tour's back on, amazing. So we go out with them, get to the first venue in Sheffield. And it was like, oh, none of their gear's turned up yet. So this gig's canceled. We've rescheduled it for the following week. So <laughs> we have driven all the way to Sheffield for that. And We were like, oh my God, what a start. The next day was <clears throat> uh, Newcastle. And, Riverside in Newcastle and um, we went down there and first thing we see is all of the crew in the venue just taking the <laughs> taking the packaging, you know, the sticky labels off all of this roller cola, you know, like all this cheap cola <laughs> from like Aldi or something, you know, just removing all the labels and we we're like fucking hell and it was literally like a whole backstage area was just full Of bottles of cola, and that was the way was the whole tour. Like, good luck having a backstage room because it's just cola. It was amazing.
0: (laughs) That was that was amazing. I would have been in there like getting Mentos as well.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh man! Like they invited us on stage at the final gig in Manchester for the they call it the Fago Armageddon, and uh, that's when you know they throw out as much cola as they can. So we jumped up and. Spraying cola on everyone, man, what a great time. <laughs>
0: a, one of the highlights.
1: <laughs> oh, man, like, big time. Spraying cola on everyone, highlight number one. Highlight number two was we played two nights at the, uh, what's that venue in Birmingham? Is it the Institute or Institution? Uh,
0: yeah, the institution Institute.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we played there, like, um, twice in a row. Because <laughs> the first night sold out, they thought, right, let's put it on again. So we had a little, little sticky residency there. It was covered in coke from the first night. And...
0: It was. It's a good little <laughs> venue there, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it's great. We we played so it a bad. few times that place. Yeah,
0: yeah, because um, <laughs> you played the Vic with Death Blooms and obviously the Flapper as well.
1: Yeah,
0: yes. Yeah. So, growing up in Liverpool. I was yeah. speaking. I was speaking to somebody else about this the other day. Um, you were saying that, like, obviously, your dad had like the Frank Zappa and you know bits and pieces like that. Was like, yeah. was there anything that, when you was a child, that like you just was your very first memory of just hearing music? Because obviously, the music scene is very big in Liverpool, so you'd expect things like yeah. the Beatles and whatnot well, to be quite a heavy influence up there
1: yeah it, it's funny like the beatles like that is always around when you you know it's it's a big tourist attraction um, that band but it wasn't really big in uh, my world you know my, my parents preferred the rolling stones you know and yeah. it was all you know all my earliest music memories is what my mum and dad were playing which was like Led Zeppelin, Rolling Stones, Frank Zappa, ACDC. And um, when it comes to my first gig, um, that was like Slipknot in 2001 or something. You know, on That's the a idol. good first
0: gig to go to.
1: <laughs> I was like, Dad, can, can you get me tickets? You know, it, it was meant to be um, Led Biscuit on the Chocolate Starfish Tour, mm. but I don't know if you remember at the time, but. Fred Durst slipped a disc in his back at the Birmingham show.
0: No, and, I didn't know uh,
1: that. Yeah, yeah, he slipped a disc, so Manchester got cancelled. The rest of the tour got cancelled. Oh. So, oh, so, yeah, then Slipknot announced the Iowa tour, and off I went to that. But Slipknot's a yeah.
0: better first gig than what I went to.
1: <laughs> Go on, what was it? Busted. No way.
0: Yep, busted <laughs> in Birmingham was my first
1: Stimmy.
0: gig, two thousand. <laughs> 2003, 2004, I think it was Nice My uh, mum my and my stepdad Just got married and they were getting on their honeymoon And uh, when they went away um, I I was given a ticket to go and see Busted On the tour yeah. <laughs> And it was like, literally <laughs> like the very back row At the LG arena in Birmingham like, You would have needed binoculars to try and see him.
1: <laughs> was it good? Do you, do you have good memories from it?
0: <laughs> I, I can vaguely remember it um, Yeah but my kind of my first proper memory of a gig was when I first saw Rammstein because I went completely yeah. by myself. Yeah. Uh, which and I remember what going tour? 2010 tour, uh, yeah. 2000 well, when they just bought out Libris and and they did that tour. Right. So I think it was late 2009, early 2010. Yeah. And uh, I remember my uncle was taking me. But he was just like kind of just go and do your own thing sort of thing because he mm-hmm. he was a bit of a drinker, so yeah. he he kind of just sat at the bar the whole time. He didn't really do anything. So I remember like trying to like this. I was only like fucking god knows how tall. I wasn't at the time. <laughs> trying to like just duck and dive and and weave in between. And I got about three rows from the front, and I remember yeah. just getting absolutely crushed to death. But it was
1: worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Was there anyone supporting them? Did they have that, a good support
0: man Uh Combi Christ. And oh wow, nice. They they were I really enjoyed them. And then yeah. um about six months later, I actually uh I won a VIP uh Combi Christ tour passing. So I I, okay. I had a meet and greet and got to see them Sick. uh about six months later. Which, which is which, which is pretty cool. I still got yeah. some of the, uh, like a drumsticks and signed shirt and um, the shirt that Joe Letts wore on the stage on that night <laughs> gave to me after the show, and it's in. Nice.
1: <laughs> I love it. It's all about those little, you know, those little special things that happen at those shows. And no, like, it
0: hasn't been washed.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I never wash it, man. Nah, that Joe I, Letts aroma.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, Have you got tickets to see Ramstein on the, you know, the uh, rescheduled show?
0: I've uh, got four tickets. Awesome. Uh, in the uh,
1: in the fire pit or whatever.
0: I've got three in the fire zone and I've got one seated. Uh God, um I've got the Coventry of uh and the uh where's the other one? Cardiff. They're both yeah. fire zone. Oh
1: nice, you're going down to Cardiff.
0: Yeah. And Sick. um I've also got uh Berlin tickets as well.
1: Badass which,
0: <clears throat> which is gonna be awesome. But I've uh, I know this year it's already getting postponed. Uh also, yeah. I was talking to their pyrotechnician about two weeks ago and they said they're just yeah. waiting for all the paperwork to be uh finalized, but it's getting cancelled
1: again. Oh man, it's, it's such a shit. Just... As long as it gets rescheduled, so I managed to get fire for um for Coventry as well. Mm. And I was just like, man, like waiting a year already was tough, but then it got postponed another year. I'm just hoping it doesn't get postponed yet another year. I've, I've still got, got my tickets months.
0: in my draw. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, they're in it. I think they're underneath my uh, my little string pack. Let's see if I can find them. One second. Blood,
1: they're,
0: yeah. they're, my- I've got uh, I've got my two but uh, German oh, ones.
1: Man
0: Yeah, uh, Samstag 04 July 20, Olympia study on (laughs) Berlin.
1: Bloody hell,
0: So That ain't ain't happening. (laughs) Fingers
1: crossed, it gets rescheduled soon, man. Yeah, I need my my
0: concert fix. My last gig was Lindemann, uh, in London, the only show they did, and that was one of the weirdest. Craziest shows I've ever been to, but it was also fucking brilliant. Like, I've, I've never been to a gig where stuff. they were yeah. launching fish, but yeah, yeah, rotten fish into the crowd yeah. and throwing cakes. <laughs> um, like they, um, one of the songs, Ala Frassa, which means like omnivore, I think it is. Uh, they yeah. come out with like this trolley dolly and he's got cakes on it and they were just launching yep. cakes so uh, you see my miss she's quite a short dainty little thing so yeah. I picked <laughs> her up like that and I'm holding her up hoping that she absolutely wailed <laughs> face with a cake and um, then like halfway through the gig later on the did fish on and then like this slingshot comes up from like yeah. the middle of the stage and they were just launching fish into the crowd, <laughs> and then there was there was some crazy guys like behind me that were just like shirtless and just
1: fucking. Yeah.
0: I, I want to know what they were on. Yeah. And um,
1: it's probably all the, the
0: cake. Yeah, probably <laughs> it's definitely something. All
1: that and sugar.
0: they caught one of the fish, and I remember yeah. turning around, and he just literally bit the head off this fish, this oh, raw rotten fish. Oh, no. But what was what was more annoying was the day before, obviously I hadn't seen what was going on. Otherwise, I wouldn't have worn my nice brand new Adidas trainers. Okay. And I, I remember sitting on the Travel Lodge hotel floor with some white okay. vinegar and a brush, trying to get all this cake off the suede oh, and the no. fish guts off it. Oh.
1: Those trainers I have I still got cake speak. on if I ever go to see Lindemann, I'm wearing like full overalls. Man. <laughs> we should explain
0: was when, before I went into, because they were playing at the camp um, O2 in Kensington town. Right. Um, we should explain like when we got a tour shirt, because I, I always get a tour shirt no matter what band I go to. Um, yeah. They were selling ponchos and it's like, ah, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> something's going on. Yeah, it was. It's not a bad last show to go to, though. To be fair. Yeah,
1: that's awesome. I, I can't remember what my last show was. That like, and Ghost. Go- uh, to...
0: Ghost were mine. Ghost was. Good. Oh, Ghost.
1: I'd love to go and see them.
0: I I hated Ghost a few years back. I absolutely <laughs> hated them because I just thought it was like fucking Scooby Doo music.
1: What changed?
0: Um, um I went to go and see Metallica in Manchester and Ghost was supporting them. And at first I was just like I'm not fussed, but um, because my aunt had um her, fr- her friend couldn't go and they had the shortest straw experience one, so we got let in right like two hours before everybody else. So we were front row for Metallica. You're
1: and right. uh, you could
0: see me like three times on the film footage that they did of it, and then Ghost but- was Ghost was supporting them and so I was like okay let's see what they're like and they blew me away live they were absolutely phenomenal and then when they did their own tour I got tickets straight away front row and I got one of their guitar picks and bits and pieces like that and I was was hooked after that
1: oh man yeah I'd love to check them out I've heard great things I really like them as a band you know
0: they outsupported Metallica that night yeah Absolutely oh, no. outplayed them by <laughs> a long shot.
1: I bet all the theatrics and everything, you know, because it's quite a stage show as well, I believe. So.
0: It's quite interesting, obviously, because they're all obviously got the ghoul masks on and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. And um, Tobias Forge, um, the one who obviously plays like Cardinal Copia, he's, I've yeah. never seen somebody control a crowd so well like he did. I've never seen that good level of crowd control. It was insane. Really insane.
1: Oh man, like as soon as, soon as gigs happen, happening again, they're on my list.
0: Uh, I'm gonna be at the point now is it's been that long since gigs. Any time that there's gonna be a band now in Birmingham or whatever, I'm just—I'm yeah. getting tickets regardless. I just need- Man,
1: fix. that's it. You know what? That's, that's the plus side, you know? Like when things do happen again, I feel like people are going to be rushing out, you know. Mm. Like as as music fans, you know, you want you to be see easy. some gigs. I'll be, you know, local gigs, you name it. I mean, I used to go to all the gigs anyway, but I'm I'm never turning one down after this.
0: Like. Yeah, so I think <laughs> um, I need to get the Trivium tickets because I think Trivium are meant to play in the back end of this year and Skin uh nice. Those would be oh, a yeah. couple of good shows to go to.
1: Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit So
0: we're doing a wrap right with time. So we are going to kind of start to wrap this up a little bit. So cool. uh, on, the, on the podcast, I have a segment where I ask everybody the same three questions. So it's always interesting All right. to see what different answers that we get. So the first one is you're on a desert island. Money is no object. You can take one pedal, one amp, and one guitar. What are you taking with you?
1: <laughs> so I'd take the camper. I'd take a dual rectifier because it's, you're using the camper as got your effects
0: unit. <laughs> yeah, why not?
1: Why not? I've got options then. <laughs> and I'd take this Les Paul with me, this chunky beast.
0: Not your new Apex 7.
1: Man, uh, that Apex 7 has troubles. Really? Got some bad, yeah, bad news about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, what's happened? Yeah. So I bought it from, uh, to- is that you say it, Toman. Or Thom- Toman. Toman. Yeah, yeah, I got it from Toman. I got um, my RSK from there. Well, you know, they're, they're, they're a very good company. It's not a reflection on them, I'm sure. But it was a, uh, a B-stock one. And it arrived, looked great, and all that. Started uh, putting some heavier strings on there, you know. I'm like, and uh, I go to adjust the truss rod, and the truss rod nut inside is completely threaded. So you put the Allen key in, and it just spins. Oh, jeez. And there's such a back bow in the neck that the strings are touching the frets, so it's just like, you know, buzzing. Yeah. So Christ. I know, so I'm currently in talks with Tom and like <laughs> Hopefully they'll email. Sort it out. So I'm sure they will. It's just a, a long process. It's always a shame when a guitar yeah. doesn't turn out,
0: doesn't turn out how you yeah. hoped. I was gonna say this isn't this question, isn't in the segment, but I know oh, yeah. um so this one's gonna be especially for you. But Go what ahead. is the guitar that got away? The one that you never wish you got rid of.
1: So It was actually a Les Paul custom, but it was a 1976. And the specs were very similar to this one. You know, the big volute, solid body. But it was about, it was almost 12 pounds in weight. It was super heavy, like proper backbreaker, but sounded great, played great. Like just everything about looked really cool, like quite worn in. It was an absolute beast. And at the time, I'd just got a 57 reissue custom as well. And I was like, well, I can't justify keeping both. So I'll put them both on eBay and whichever sells first, that's you know, that's what's gone. And I was really hoping the 57 would go, you know. So you can always buy another 57 reissue and it'll be the same. Yeah. But you can't get that original 76 again. So oh, uh, I've man. been on I've been on a mission ever since, you know, like if a 76 pops up. I'll be getting that and selling this
0: one. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say I blame you. I would love a really nice gold top.
1: Oh, yes. A
0: nice gold top, there's Paul, is what I would really like to get next. Oh, the killer. Or a a, a lemon burst, an old aged relic lemon burst. Yeah. that's big time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: big time. I know. Uh, I just shout out 1,500 quid for the quad cortex. So uh, it's going to be even more saving up now. Has
1: <laughs> that like, arrived yet?
0: Not yet, no. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. I'm because af- I'm, I bought mine in January. I put my yeah. money down. Um I'm I've got to wait for tier one and tier two to go out, then I'm getting then I'm getting mine. And I can't wait for it. First thing I'm gonna do is make a quad rig of like four dual yep. rectifiers and just sit there and just be like,
1: oh. <laughs>
0: "Heaven, yeah, man, amazing!" Uh, so oh, I
1: can't wait to check out what you do with that thing.
0: Oh, right, mate, trust me, I have got big plans for that. Big, big plans. <laughs> uh, so the second question, because we've kind of gone off topic again a little bit, uh, second question yeah, is: What are you listening to on Spotify? or your preferred streaming service? What are you listening to at the moment? So, uh, I'm,
1: uh, I'm a bit of a weirdo. I use Amazon Music instead of Spotify. <laughs> so, uh, at the moment, I'm non-stop listening to the new Love and Death album. It's the um, the guitarist, Cornhead. It's his other band. The latest album's incredible. They've got a Justin Bieber cover on there, and it's one of the best. I've heard, I've heard
0: about that because oh, I man. saw someone Listen was talking it. about it in the week on Facebook and they were saying about this Justin yeah. Bieber metal cover and people have been saying it's actually quite good
1: It's brilliant Like you start off listening to it and you don't realise it's a Bieber song until it gets to the chorus and then you're like, I've heard this before <laughs> oh my god, it's Justin Bieber but it's great, Like such a good album every song's a banger And it sounds great too. It's produced so well. I'm going to need to check that out.
0: Absolutely going to need to check that out. And last of all, where can people find out more about you on social media?
1: So I'm a bit quiet on it at the moment because of lockdown and all that. But if you go to Instagram, it's The First Sinner. Check out that for guitar videos for now. And then hopefully when gigs start off again, it'll be, live videos and more cool stuff, travel pics and all that, you
0: know. Awesome stuff, man. Awesome. So if you're listening, you make sure that you go and check out the YouTube video because you will see both of our faces. You'll see the hump that is Adam and his gorgeous piece of wood. And all the links will be in the description box below. Ad, thank you so much for taking out this time with me on a Sunday evening. It's been an absolute delight.
1: Great chatting to you, man. I could have chatted to you all night.
0: I think we could have easily gone on for another few hours. There's still so much we could have spoke about, but I know we always have time constraints and bits and pieces. We'll do
1: round two. When stuff gets back to normal, round two.
0: Absolutely, man. I would love to have you back on here. It would be an absolute pleasure. So thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Guitar Geeks. If you've been watching this on YouTube, make sure you go and check out the Spotify link, drop it a follow. Drop it a share, drop it a like, check out all of Ad's links in the description box below. You'll be able to get him on Instagram and as well as some of the Death Blooms material on Spotify as well. So until the next time, thank you ever so much for tuning in. Thank you again, Ad, for being here. Cheers, man. Until the next time, we'll see you on the Guitar Geeks Born again, kill it. I'm so blown away. Had me smiling and just out of my skin. Like you guys are insane rock stars. We're honored to be on stage right now. Let's rock out a song real quick.